Hey folks, it's your host Julian. Before I roll into the show description for this one, I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Here at the podcast, it's been a difficult year with a lot of ups and downs, both personally and with the podcast, but one constant has been you, the fans. So from me to you, I want to say thank you. Alright, this bonus episode is a Christmas watch along of Ed Ed and Eddie's Jingle Jingle Jangle with Mike Kubat and John O'Howard. I recorded this one quite some time ago, before we had a good mic and some decent audio experience, but I can say it was a lot of fun. I love talking to Mike and Jono. Uh, I wanted to release this one a little bit earlier than we did, like I said it took about a year and a half, two years because of some audio we picked up in the background with the watch along, like I said it was before we had any experience. It was a lot of fun though. I hope you guys enjoy it. Happy holidays and I'll check in with you next week. Today is the Christmas episode. It doesn't feel like Christmas in Florida, but it never does. We're watching Ed, Ed and Eddie's Jingle, Jingle, Jangle. We're going to do this segmented through YouTube. These are the two writers that collaborated together to give us this fucking masterpiece. And we're going to sit here and enjoy these guys' hard work. Gentlemen, you guys ready? Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's start with the first one. Let's do this. Sorry, we play this, Ed. Started. <laughs> All right, bye bye. All right, see Hold you on. later. Get out of here, bye bye. Ooh. Oh, let me turn up the volume a little bit. It's got a very Charlie Brown esque feel to it. Yeah, that- we were kind of going for that. That was that was uh, kind of the feel we wanted. We wanted it really to be a holiday special. You know what I mean? And feel like one. That's uh, Patrick Caird, who is in charge of the music. I think this is Danny came up with this opening, didn't he? Of Eddie hunting for the gifts. Yeah, well, yeah, he wanted the the Christmas stash. I mean, it was it was such an obvious move for Eddie, right? You know. Yeah. My uh, my younger brother actually did this shit, uh, but he didn't go to the extreme and care of saving the wrappers and the packages and the bows. He just said, "Screw it," and he he ripped up all the packages. Um, whether it was his or not, like two weeks, three weeks before Christmas. Um, so how'd your folks feel about that? Oh man, my mom stomped a mud hole in his ass and walked it dry. <laughs> it was fantastic. There he goes. Now he's ripping it up. So how long did it take you guys to really collapse? That, was that a was that a hole in my Christmas story? Uh, a Christmas story? Was that a nod to that right there with the pink suit? Oh, probably. Yeah, maybe. And I and that whole light reflecting off the mirror, I remember coming up with that only because it was I saw it in a Scooby-Doo once. And I thought, oh, that's a perfect way to get a light outside. <laughs> nice. Sorry, the suspense is gonna be killing everybody to get back to this. Love the cankers, eh? They're my favorite. Bless his heart, Ed. I know. Having Matt on was one of the funnest times. Uh, he, he, he went straight into Ed almost immediately as soon as I did the open for the show. And it, it's, it's crazy that, that this show is, what, 20 years old at this point? Uh, not, not the special, but the show itself is 20 years, give or take. Um, and for him to look the way he looks, and I'm just saying he got a little bit older, that's it. And to still have that same voice, that same boyhood charm of uh, of Ed here was fantastic. <laughs> so, which of the Ed boys did you guys like writing the most? Oh. Double D. Yeah, how come? Because that's the one I'm most like. I'm not like the other two. I guess I'm most like Ed then. <laughs> He was the guy I got the most. Yeah. God, I wish this show was still around. Amen. <laughs> was, this the, was this the most fun you guys have had on a show as far as, as working together and collabing with Ed, Ed, and Eddie? Yeah. I think this was my favorite special of the three. This one felt really like a special, the, more so than the others. Yeah, I think this was the funnest. And this has some of my favorite writing in it, too. Oh. 
such a disappointment when they end. <laughs> As I was saying, I brought you at once with a poinsettia. <laughs> now that you say it, man, I do, I do see a little double D in you there, and that's not an innuendo, boys and girls. I feel all fuzzy inside, double D. See, I don't like hugs either. <laughs> But I don't put the what are they uh, little name tags all over my room. No, why not? Not that anal. <laughs> it's I haven't watched this thing in years. Yeah. How do you think it holds up? Oh, those were gravy cakes, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> not cookies. No. And I, in the script, he offers them to Double D, and Double D's like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was uh, always a loose process on Ed, Ed, and Eddie. The, the scripts got changed a lot in the boarding process. Like, the board artists, the senior board artists would have to way, you know. Buy you everything you want, and all I got was what would they change? Would it just be the interactions or would you guys have to completely rewrite dialogue to fit whatever they were drawn? Everything. They changed whatever they wanted. And, you know, nine times out of ten, it was better, in my opinion. I mean, they just put their two cents worth in to make it even funnier than what we had put in there. So it was a win-win most of the time. So would you guys have the dialogue before the artwork or would it just be something oh, you guys yeah. work on? Everything's written out and the dialogue and everything, but the dialogue got plussed and pumped up a lot in boards though. Like a lot of the dialogue was added and, 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 and expanded in the boards. Yeah, once the boards were final, then Danny would go over the whole thing and, and rewrite dialogue. dialogue. But some stuff would stay the same. You know what I mean? Some yeah. stuff would make it through. Other stuff vanished. Were you ever amazed at how much, like, now I, I only know what I've known. Jesus Christ, I can't talk to me. I only know as much as, like, I either I've read or I've talked to you guys about as far as the creative process and what you guys were allowed to and not allowed to do. And I've also had a, a guy named Fred Seibert. I don't know if you guys ever got to meet him. Yeah, I know Fred. Well, I'm not know him personally, but I've dealt with Fred. Yeah, so I got to talk to him and his 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 mentality for, you know, that whole what a cartoon or cartoon cartoon when when that whole animation renaissance happened with Edit and Eddie, Johnny Bravo and, and just fucking everything else, Dexter's Lab. Right. And he he said he was a very you know like hands off type of thing. He's like, man, you guys got this. You know these characters. You, you know you know what 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 sells. What's funny? Um, how refreshing is that? I'm pretty sure it's not like that anymore. Everything's probably a lot more micromanaged than it is. Not at all. Not at all. None of the people that hire you uh, let you do what you want to do because they don't. <laughs> It's not the way cartoons are made now. It's way more collaborative. Does that seem like it stifles you guys' creative flow or your creative juices? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's like, you know, hiring Picasso. Hey, I want you to make this painting, but I'm going to tell you how to paint it. <laughs> like, what, what am I here for? You know? Don't do any of that weird Picasso shit. Just do what I want, right? It's just, man. Right? Yeah, it, it can be really disappointing on uh, cartoons these days. How do you guys get through that? Because I like what I do for a living. I cook. I do this as a side. Well, it's not even a job, really. It's just for fun. I mean, what when I cook, it, it's very difficult because somebody will always tell you how to cook. Right? Doesn't matter how long right. you've been cooking. You know, it's just right. like, oh, I see you do it this way. How do you guys get past? That? I usually just go home and cook by myself, and I don't have to listen to anybody unless it's my kid or my wife saying, ah, I don't like this. I mean, but for the most part, I'm left to my own devices. How do you guys get through that shit? Uh, you know, you just, I call it the uh, the note giver salad, where they give you a hammer, a pineapple, and a t-shirt. They say, make a salad. And you just figure out a way to make a salad. Sometimes it's actually really good. Sometimes it's just not a salad. But you to make chicken salad out of chicken I, don't know. I I hate it. I find myself get frustrated a lot. Yeah. 
Was this the yeah. last time you guys were super, super free to really do whatever you wanted? Uh, no, but once you get into production, once somebody starts dropping colossal amounts of money on it, or not even a lot of times, um, yeah, like the, the whole animation industry is a whole lot of chiefs and not enough Indians, you know what I mean? It's yeah. always kind of been like that, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. Yeah. On what show you're on or where you're working or, or what or what the production is and the people you're working with but it, again i mean those are the people that pay you you know you but it, it don't you find it turns into like a creative pissing contest yes. instead instead of what's best for the show yes yes everybody has to have their say vorlick uh, who, who came up with this? This this is my favorite. Was it you? Oh, I fucking knew this it. Is, this this is, is one of my favorite things I've ever done to this day. I love Rolf in this scene because it's like like all the weird traditions in my family Christmas. I told you about we had carp instead yeah. of turkey for dinner. Like, what? <laughs> carp? It's nasty. Like what? Did you hang up bacon around your fireplace too? No, but my mom would hang salami from the kitchen. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Like those big long Italian salamis and stuff. Yeah, they'd be hanging out. Frankfurters, you know, like it was this crazy town. It was it was very much like this. I'm not even lying. That's why this is so funny to me. Were you the sheep? Did you dress up like the sheep? Danny used to they used to have uncles, you know, that would kill rabbits in the garage and stuff. And then <laughs> Rolf is all based on that old world Lupo stuff, right? Lupo the Butcher. <laughs> so something I don't think I asked you, Mike, I don't, at least I don't remember if I did, uh, what was the idea? What was the thought process behind like the green tongue or the blue tongue or the yellow tongue? Just the oh, different colors. Thing. Um, it was all about the jawbreakers, right? They were obsessed with yeah. jawbreakers with the color of your tongue. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't think there was another character in any of cartoon cartoondom that just didn't give a fuck more than Rolf. <laughs> That's the old world attitude, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, my entire village and all my family was wiped out by plague. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> like Borat, maybe. Borat oh, is right. similar to Rolf, I think. Right. I spent the last uh, two months working in a Greek restaurant, and uh, everybody is from either Greece or uh, there was two females there. Uh, they were older females. One was a prep cook and one was a dishwasher. Um, and then the crazy one, her name was Anita and she was from Albania. Um, I've never had somebody I've like physically looked down to, I'm, cause I'm a big guy. I'm like six foot two. So I, you know, very rarely do I have to look up. And if I do, it's for, you know, a special occasion. And then this uh, little lady, Anita, she was trying to teach me Albanian. Like I said, she's probably five foot three, five foot four, somewhere on a very, very small person. And uh, the brother of the owner for the restaurant came up. He's like, hey, say this to her. And then she heard it. And then she had a knife in her hand because she was cutting shit. And then she looked over and apparently it was something super, super bad. She's like, you say that, I fuck you up. And she pointed a knife at me. And after that, I was like, ah, eh, nope, not messing with anybody from the old country. <laughs> Use Rolf as a lesson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You might get smacked with a fish. <laughs> Wham. <laughs> There's no recovery from that, by the way. <laughs> no, your face just smells like fish. Your pride's hurt. Oh, Eddie blew it here. Oh, I know, right? You know, in the script, he doesn't even get in the house. I kind of like the script better. Like, I, th I thought the way it was played in the script was funnier, but oh, well. I don't remember. I don't remember this. What are they finding here? It's on a fucking shopping cart. <laughs> Is there anything more trailer park? Jesus Christ. <laughs> that must have been Ed's butter toast that he forgot about. Yeah. Remember, we were doing a play on the three things the wise man had. So it was full. Oh, that's right. So uh, they brought they brought it back. And Merv, but they had full 
Frankfurters and right. I don't remember what the Mer what we did for Mer. There's the Franks oh. and Cents. Franks and Cents. That's it. Franks <laughs> and Cents. Wackity schmackity do. <laughs> Fur. Fur. There you go. My favorite scene is the Jimmy scene. Oh my God. That's all your dialogue. That is some of the best dialogue you've ever done. That shit is hilarious. It's still some of my favorite dialogue you've ever written. I thought you did a lot of that. No? Uh, No, I think it was all you. It's just the best. This is very refreshing because most of the time, most people's like, no, I wrote that, or no, I created this, or no, I did that. They're like, nah, I think it was you. No, 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 no. It, it was you. That's some Canadian. We're always right? going back and forth on stuff, and, you know, I need a gag. I need this. What about that? This was very common. We were constantly talking to each other. During oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, didn't you, did you, you flew up? From L.A., didn't you, for a bit? Yeah, I did. How long did you stay up for? Did, do you remember? For as long as, I don't know, like a week or two, I think. Here it is. <laughs> this dialogue. Hey, Jimmy, check out the wings. Are you a Christmas angel? How did you get? I know he really is a jerk, isn't he? He's so awful. <laughs> Give me your presents. <laughs> Give me your presents. I remember watching this, and it has a very at the beginning, at least, like I said, it started out with like that Charlie Brown feel with the snow coming down and the music. And then it kind of really morphs when he starts, you know, ripping up all of his presents, oh, that hurt, ripping up all of his presents and shit. And it goes to a very Scrooge-esque feel, right? The Bill Murray movie. That's what, that's what the vibe I got from it. So what was the idea behind the headset? Let's just make this dude look as nerdy as possible. I guess that was Danny's. Uh, character design right my wife had headgear i make fun of her all the time for it and i get hit really hard for it too so it's always nice when i can make fun of somebody's headgear in a cartoon and i get slapped <laughs> oh don't oh i forgot he ate it all <laughs> poor jimmy's destroyed all his sailors it's like the sailors on a Christmas time shore leave or something. Oh, man. Out of all these characters you guys written, who do you think would be, if, if you could have that power button, right? You're the, you're the executive. You get all the money you can throw on it. You can green, li- green light one character from this, from this universe. Who are you going to green light as a sequel or a prequel uh, show? we had talked i mean i think it was even discussed didn't we we talked about like a melon head show right is johnny two by four is melon head the melon head avenger <laughs> yeah we did we were gonna have a spin-off of johnny and plank as superheroes that was discussed so yeah. what happened nothing <laughs> i don't know well, i mean obviously but are they just like now nah, we don't want to do it or did it just fall on deaf ears at that point we just talk we talked about a lot of stuff all the time i mean this show is really really popular so there were a lot of things on the table but then you know i don't know just nothing happened that's happened a lot in this business (laughs) yeah it would have been funny though yeah i don't think there was a bigger douche than kevin (laughs) <laughs> well, thanks. That, that's what we were going for. <laughs> Our job is done. <laughs> you got to think with the way he walked, he had to have scoliosis real bad by the time he became an adult. <laughs> you think he's getting a jawbreaker, right? I can't remember. 
In the script, it was a towel for him to cry in. <laughs> and then he does, and then it freezes, and he can't use it. I mean, he he really is that Charlie Brown, that depressed on his luck kind of guy right now. I mean, well, that was yeah, that was, and I'm glad you picked that up. We were really yeah. trying to convey what a dick he is, and he's realizing it now, and he sees everybody having fun, and look at him, he's practically homeless. He's homeless, literally homeless on Christmas. Yeah, you know, dude, I love animation like this. It is so fantastic. I wish today's current animation was like this. It is so fantastic. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's very basic, very simple. I don't want to undermine anybody that did this. I love this shit. It, oh, is yeah. so it, it gives you the feels, right? Like it was, yeah. it was you're going for an emotion. And, you know, I'm glad well, that you felt it. That's what we're going for. It's the difference between hand-drawn painted cells, right? And, and the computer software. I mean, th there's some out there that just look really, really good. But I, I don't know what this is. I always call it like 2D vice 3D, right? So or CGI for animation. So I have no idea what this style is really considered. But I love this style of animation. Yeah, it's hand drawn, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's pa you know painted in Korea. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, his part grew three times too big. Yeah. Dude, this is pretty good. I usually got to have something along the lines to help me think this way. Um, but I'm glad I did this one sober. This is fantastic. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, you know, it's it's a Christmas special, so there had to be some... Somebody had to kind of sort of learn a lesson, but yeah. not really, because it's Ed and Eddie. <laughs> like, you learn your lesson, and then the lesson's gone, yeah. and you're back where you were because in our show we were mandated not to have any teachable moments <laughs> who, who mandated who mandated you danny there was nothing oh, okay. to be learned never mind <laughs> nothing to be learned he wanted irredeemable but redeemable characters if that makes sense it does well, yeah. go ahead i'm sorry oh i was gonna say nobody wants to be preached at sure you know even kids right well, that was always great because it felt like it felt like every character you could really pick out as far as like my friends go. I had a Rolf. I had, you know, a Kevin, just a douche that I didn't want to hang out with that would pick on somebody. But when push came to shove, you know, even though he was your friend to an extent in here with Ed, with the Ed boys, um, you know, push comes to shove, he'd probably have your back. At least I would hope and he wouldn't mush you. Um, but you had every friend and everybody just displayed here like they do with the, the entire cul-de-sac of kids. Yeah. Uh, and, very diverse group. Yeah. And then you didn't, you didn't feel like, you didn't feel like this was being dumbed down for a kid. You were like, Oh man, this is some real shit. Right. Yeah. You know, everybody likes this girl. Everybody's got these weird girls that like that. Well, most of the time weird girls or weird guys that like them that might smoke cigarettes behind, you know, the PE lounge or, you know, what have you, you got all this crazy shit and it felt real. I mean, and it's a lot of it has to do with you guys writing this shit out. And then the guys that would sit here and take it and make these two dimensional characters seem three dimensional. Right? So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, they were all based. A lot of those characters are based on people Danny grew up with. We talked a little bit about this before. Like those are all based on real people, so that's why. <laughs> it was great having Rolf because we could make a manger, right? Because he had the goat and the pig. Yeah. When, when you guys are collabing on a script like this, or when this episode comes up, they're like, "We want to do a Christmas episode." What is the initial like spark for imagination for the episode? Do you guys have like an end and then you work your way backwards or you guys start from the beginning and then trying to work your way forward? Well, you have to think about what a Christmas special is, right? It has to have parts. It has to have obviously Christmas themes and elements in it. Um, you know, and any other show, but Ed, Ed and Eddie would have a good happy ending, right? <laughs> So, I mean, it, it was Danny's show, too, and he always had, you know, a spark to throw at us or an idea, you know, a start, if you will, or... <laughs>
Is this sacrilegious? What's going on? <laughs> I love how nothing else on Ed's head is or Eddie's head is frozen except his three hairs. <laughs> I walk outside in 52 degree weather in Florida because it's 162 every goddamn day and I freeze to death. This guy's in snow. And the only thing that's done is uh, his hair follicles. <laughs> and of course, they get their smooches. Yeah. <laughs> you know what the Kanker sisters reminded me of? They reminded, with the exception of one being heavy set, they always reminded me of the Sandersons. I know we're talking Christmas here, but it's Halloween just recently. But they always reminded me of the Sanderson sisters from uh, Hocus Pocus. Yeah. I don't know what it was, just the zaniness, I guess. <laughs> and that would be it. Man, what a fantastic. When was the last time you watched? I know you said you haven't watched in a long time, John. When was the last time you watched this? God, I would say 15 years ago. Jesus Christ, man. What do you do with your free time? I watch it every couple of years or so. Usually around Christmas time, I'll pull it out and give it a watch and get a couple laughs. But it's been a while. It's been a good five, six years for myself. What's your go-to Christmas movies whenever you guys get in that spirit? you got to have this one on. What is it? I, I'm a big fan of the Grinch. That's a, just a, such a classic, classic, classic thing. But I mean, for me, the cartoon. Probably, yeah, I, 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 I not the Jim Carrey with Nightmare. No, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, it wasn't that bad, was it? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, again, I grew up with the classic cartoons, classic Christmas shows, and stuff like that. The, the, you know, the Rudolph, the Red Nosed Reindeer, the Misfit Toys, and all that shit. That was all our growing up, and that's what we were glued to but nowadays like i'll just listen to the albums right like i'll listen to you know uh, uh boris karloff reading the grinch who stole christmas you know the audio version of that which is great you know his reading and frankie stuff. himself yeah yeah so. sure so uh or not is it, is it no i'm sorry vincent price it was vincent price that read it i think right i'm not sure i'll have to look that up but the audio version's kick ass yeah well i like to think there's a world out there where Frankenstein's monster is reading you Christmas carols and Christmas lullabies. Um, yeah, I guess it's wishful thinking. But uh, what about you? <laughs> what about you, Jonah? What's your go-to Christmas movie? Uh, well, you know, I like Elf. I like uh, A Christmas Story. Fantastic. You know, the little kid with the Red Rider BB gun. You'll I love that movie. Yeah, that's a classic too. It's fantastic. Yeah. I do like the original um, Scrooge as well, like the Alistair Sim black and white one. Mm -hmm. I usually watch that when I'm wrapping gifts on Christmas Eve. See, I listen to Christmas music when I'm doing that. I just sit in here and throw on the albums and just wrap with my freaking cape and paper and I was going to say, do you have a, sh a Christmas shelf behind I you? Of it's over here. It's not oh, it's over <laughs> all my holiday music. It's got like a Nutcracker suite and shit. <laughs> when do you guys start playing Christmas music? Uh, usually on Black Friday. That's when I do yeah. my shopping. So I'll throw it on while I shop. You know, I've, I've already switched. I've already found the serious Christmas in my car. Yes. Boom. <laughs> ready to go just a couple days ago i used to i used to work in, in retail shops and that is the worst time of the year but there's a reasoning why they started doing it so early is because when you start hearing christmas music you're like oh man i feel nice i want to buy some shit for some people which increases sure. the profit margins and sales right so you're yeah. like oh man let's just buy all this shit um i've never wanted with the exception of working a mother's day brunch in a restaurant i've never wanted to hang myself more than working <laughs> right after Thanksgiving all the way up until Christmas and having to hear the same goddamn Mariah Carey song 15 right. times in a six hour shift. It is the, it is, it is what torture really should be. I mean, if you really want to get some information out of somebody, just put Mariah Carey's ass on loop and just let that shit go. Um, yeah, sometimes when I'm shopping and I hear the music that they're playing in the store, I'm like, how do the employees not kill themselves? Like, I would be, I can't do it. I've only been in here five minutes and I already want to hang myself. 
I can't uh, imagine doing an eight-hour shift. <laughs> it, it, it's great when because my wife, my wife's a general manager for a, a kids' consignment store, and they start right around uh, either right after Thanksgiving. So I think it pretty much starts like you, you were saying, Black Friday, because um, that's what we always we always started doing Christmas decorations and shit like that. The day after Thanksgiving, our tree went up, our lights went up, and all that other stuff. We got to decorate the tree. Um, and that's usually when the Christmas music started. And it's funny seeing a complete, you know, a metamorphosis of these these people that work in the store. And it's great. They're all happy and bubbly, like, oh, Christmas is coming. And then two weeks after Christmas music starts, so you're not even to Christmas yet. They're all just sitting there just hoping somebody would come in and kill them. It's fantastic seeing the evolution and the depression set in and knowing that I don't have to listen to that shit anymore. Um, it's it's great. I guess it's great. It, it, it feels like this year people are starting earlier. Yeah. Just because they're all locked down in their houses and they're like, ah, let's just put up Christmas. It'll cheer us up. My wife for the first time hired a company to basically Griswold our house with lights. They came oh, wow. in today. I haven't even been outside to see it yet because it got dark while I've been on this 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 uh viewing but um yeah apparently when i go outside it's gonna be just a shit show on my house i have no <laughs> idea. i i have no idea i have no i have no idea how much she, she spent i don't know anything about it this was all her idea i'm like nice go for it we shall hey. see i'll have to send you guys pictures <laughs> that'll work we did we did it this past weekend and <laughs> we're sitting there and it started with just the name and it's, it's funny i can't remember what movie it was Maybe it was the Griswold vacation, but it was, we started out like one person on the yard uh, started putting up a couple things. And then the person next to him had to upgrade. We got to put out a whole bunch of things. And we started pulling out all of our totes and we're sitting here putting all this shit up. I'm like, fuck, man, this is cool to begin with, but we're going to get so tired of this shit. I don't know if it's going to last like six weeks or whatever it is, however long it's going to last until Christmas. Um, but everybody around our area and our street just keeps outdoing each other. So eventually something's going to happen where you're going to see this shit from space. I hope that, you know, happens. I want to be, I want to be on Google maps somehow for a good way. The whole world shorts from all the electricity. <laughs> Christmas so, lights, we blow out the entire grid. Worldwide brownout. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you guys doing to celebrate Christmas? Anything fun? I mean, you can't really go anywhere, but you guys got anything lined up in the house? Uh, nobody's really planning. I mean, my my kids will be here, and that's about it, just doing the family stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really hard this year being the year of, like, the lost year, I guess we can call yeah. it. Um, yeah. You know, it's basically biding our time, right, and waiting for this shit show to, you know, play itself out, you know. So, yeah, no plans, none, zero, zero. They're just going to sit here and uh, – Drink my cocoa and, uh, you know, play with my presents, I guess, which, you know, are probably going to be freaking records, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It looks like you got some space back there for some. You know? Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm running out of space all the time. Jono, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, my basement looks like that. Yeah, Jono's the one who got me into records as bad as I am. He started showing me some bands and things, music, types of music I'd never heard before, and I got just sucked in. I went down this rabbit hole and that was at the end of that. <laughs> so what is it? What is it about? Because I, I have not listened to really, it's going to sound weird. I don't really listen to music too much anymore because I'm always just, Around I used it. to hate talk radio back in the day. My grandpa would put it on and the same thing. He'd put on all these black and white Westerns. I wanted to watch cartoons, but when you get older, you have a, you know, an affinity for like what used to be. So listening to podcasts is essentially what I do almost all the time. Very rarely will I put on music unless I'm at work or I need to get some kind of motivation to do whatever I'm doing. Um, but what is it about a record vice, a cassette or an eight track or a, a, a disc? What is it about a record that really gets you guys going? Um, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's a very visceral, tangible, uh, thing, right? It, it requires an effort, effort. It's an expense. It comes with artwork. It comes with, it comes with, it's just not just pressing a button and hearing yeah. sound. There's a whole package involved in it. That's all part. It's like a ritual. Yeah, I mean, uh, 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 listening to a song on Spotify would be the equivalent of looking at a Christmas tree without ornaments. That's literally the difference between that. And also, records sound different. Like, like it's weird. I keep finding in all these, like, uh, thrift stores and mm -hmm. stuff like that, these box sets, these Reader's Digest, 
box sets are like 50 years old. There's like 10 albums inside and it's all music by, let's say, a, a certain composer like Tchaikovsky or Beethoven or something. Nobody listens to that shit, especially on records anymore, right? Nobody does. So I get these box sets and like the first album is always a bit scratchy and stuff because that's as far as anyone got as far. And then there's like nine albums that are just pristine, never been played. And I throw it like the other day, I was listening to Tchaikovsky. I'm not a big Tchaikovsky fan. I've never been a really a big fan of classical music, but I'm listening to this. And for the first time, uh, maybe in forever, I was hearing it on record, on vinyl. And it just, I could just feel it so much more, um, which I don't get off a digital sound. I mm. just felt all the sounds. I, it just feels there's just a whole different feel to it and a sound to it. And it brings up a lot of different emotions in me that I don't normally get from listening to just whatever on, on you know, Apple tunes or whatever digital stores, even a CD doesn't quite do the same thing. It's just something you have to try it. If you ever get a chance, Julian, try it. Just if you know someone's got a record player, say, play a record. I just want to listen to it. Just shut everything out and just listen to it. And you'll maybe you'll pick it up what I'm trying to say. There's just a different feel, completely different feel on it than, than other ways. Well, my grandpa used to have one uh, for the record player. And they, whenever they played cards, I would hear it that way. But I was so damn young that I don't think I could really appreciate it back. Yeah, you, you did it. And it wasn't your generation. It wasn't your time. Like when I play records, especially certain old classic rock albums, for instance, you know, I'm immediately brought back to a place and a time. And I have very vivid memories of what was going on in my life during that time and what kinds of things I was doing while I listened to that album, while it was still fresh, while it was still new, when I first discovered it, right? So those memories are hardwired in my brain now. So it's kind of a lot of albums. It's not just the listening experience, but also the photo album that it brings up in my mind. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. there's a lot of really positive, good feeling things. And, and, and the other thing is too, is finding new stuff because one record will lead you to another, will lead you to another. John can totally attest to this. He's the one that got me all crazy like that. <laughs> oh, I, I was just going to say that it's kind of, how we grew up, right? Yeah, when, yeah. when we were little, it was the only media for music, like in the 70s. We're, <laughs> we're yeah. dating ourselves here, but we're talking like the 70s yes. when we were like in little elementary little. school. Yeah. And, you know, I had an older brother and he would bring home records and you oh, just. God. I remember when my brother brought home Deep Purple Machine Head and we were just like, Oh, Highway Star. Like, we thought that was the greatest song ever. And even Guns N' Roses, like the first time I heard Appetite for Destruction. And I remember me and my brother just listening to the first side of the album going, oh, like, we were just like, you know, and it's just, it's, it's weird, but music was so, so important uh, to our generation. It really defined you as a person. It defined your clique. It defined your friendships. It defined... Uh, you know, just the kind of person you were and what your interests were even and everything it was very, um, it was very, it was like an identifier almost. Yeah. Well, pre-internet, right? Sure. Now you got, you know, all these, things. I do so much listening online, right? In, in, in headphones, not on speakers. It's changed no. the way you listen, right? Listen with headphones. I know, I know Mike, cause I asked this question, if he, had, if he listens when he writes and he said, no, absolutely not. Cause he couldn't do both. Are you that way, Jono? Do you, can you listen and write, or is it something you get to completely separate from? I guess I would prefer to have no music cause you really do need to bear down and concentrate <laughs> like for real and put yourself there. And that's was so hard to do at AKA on the ads because I was in studio and they would play like punk rock at 11, you know, <laughs> constantly. Artists are crazy, man. Like they can listen to like death metal crank, like to yeah. ear bleeding levels and still draw. And they're just well, And then me and John are like the nerds, like locked in the, you know, room that's like sealed, <laughs> airtight, silence, like eight cartons all over the walls to absorb all this down. And, you know, someone like drops a pin and we're like, Shh. You know, they were like librarians trying to concentrate, but yeah, that is the process. John, I was right. Like we have to really dig in deep and concentrate and super duper focus 
because uh, we're creating shit out of nothing and that takes a lot of concentration <laughs> but aka was a crazy atmosphere oh yeah to work in because you know danny cultivated like he's an old punk rocker yeah so he cultivated an atmosphere of like a mosh chaos. pit it was chaos like, <laughs> like there would be random wrestling was, matches like literal wrestling yes. matches, shit getting broken like yeah shit. every every Sporadic. friday every well, friday yeah, there'd be a wrestling match <laughs> were you guys wrestling for your paychecks or was this just a blow off steam i never wrestled because I, <laughs> I was like i was a little <laughs> i'm ed double d right i don't wrestle <laughs> But the board artists would wrestle. It'd just be two people would just square off and everyone else would be like circling. Yeah. And it's just be a full on wrestling match. Yeah. Now, we, we did something like this in the Navy. Um, we did it with our clothes on because there's always some jokes about Navy dudes. Right. So it, it used to be like back in the day. So if you had a, like a higher ranking official, right. They said, Hey, we're going to do it this way. And then you were a junior guy. Right. And he's like, no, nah, we're going to do it this way. You know, back in the day before everybody got super, super sensitive, this is before my time. And this is only stories that I've heard. Um, and uh, like me and you, like, so if we're, we're on the same level, but you might be the head writer or something like that, like, nah, my idea is better than yours or your idea is better than mine. You would go into a closet, you go into a storeroom, right? You'd have to know a supply guy like me. We'd unlock the storeroom. We'd shut the door and lock it behind him. Then we'd stand out there and make sure nothing went crazy. Like if you started hearing somebody, you know, getting killed, obviously you break it up. Um, but there'd be times where he's like, two people go in, one person comes out, whether, whether whoever it was with rank wise, they're like, oh shit, this guy that's been in since breakfast, he must've known his shit because he whooped everybody's ass in the storeroom. Um, was oh that my what God. it like? You guys have like that kind of like mindset. You're like, we're going to wrestle and whoever, you know, wins, they get the idea. Is that what it was? Or was it just, a, you know, no, like, no, it was just pure letting off steam. Right. Cause when you're working on a show there's deadlines and it's you know it's and danny's hard to please yeah. so right he wants the top top your top stuff and it's hard to deliver at that five top percent yeah what was a normal day for you guys like when when doing this like did you guys have a set schedule like you had to be here at eight you know you guys had meetings and shit or was it essentially just uh, it's still to this day very loosey-goosey i mean it depends where you are in the production how far ahead or behind you are where your approval process is like a lot of times i can get a lot of stuff done but i'm waiting on people to give me notes or i'm waiting on things so you know you sit there twiddling your thumbs waiting for answers from people far above you and you know you're not in a position to go hey hurry up i'm sitting here with my thumb up my ass waiting you know <laughs> If you're we were, mean, you know, we were always behind. On yeah, that. Ed's was like, always all behind, all only because uh, <laughs> Danny was so particular, and he didn't really care if people told him, "Hey, you know, this has got to get done by this day," and he'd be like, "No, it's done when it's ready." You know, yeah. when I like it, that's essentially how he ran his show. You know, to a degree. I mean, obviously, he had masters; he had to. He had to answer to Cartoon Network and, you know, those people, but sort of John's like, oh, no, he didn't. And he's right. John was right. Like, it was a mixed bag. Sometimes he did, but mostly you can really he tell, though, that way, because when you sit here and, you know, I can only, like I said, I can only equate what you guys do to, like, what I do. I try to make similarities and see what lines up. Because at the end of the day, you guys write some shit, and then it, it gets turned into artwork. I cook some stuff, and it just gets turned into, you know, down the road, it gets turned into shit, essentially. It turns into a bill. <laughs> to a certain extent, right, you have some kind of freedom, you know, with a dish um, up into a certain extent. And then when it's done, it's done type of thing. And you kind of yeah. dictate the pace on the line, whoever was that lead ticket, right? So if you're working grill and steaks come in and steaks are going well done and a fish is going fucking medium, obviously you're dictating the pace because the steak is going to take longer. So you say when it goes out. Well, you just, just imagine yourself cooking in a kitchen with Gordon Ramsay, right? And he's yeah. going to look at every dish and tell you whether you're going to redo it or it's good enough to send out, right? Yeah. How was that dealing? I mean, I, I got to think. because That's a great analogy, actually, because that's exactly what it was like. Yeah. Now, 
what what was what was his mindset? Was it just because it was his story, it was his life, it was his characters, and he wanted to make sure he said what he needed to say? Was that what it was, or did he just strive for perfection? Uh, yeah, yeah, strive for perfection. Really, yeah. he really has a very clear idea of what he wants, what these characters will do and say. They're his. It's his baby. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and he didn't give a shit what you had what you thought. You know, you, we we were constantly trying to get get him on board to our ideas, and that was tough. You got to understand, when we came up with episodes. You'd have to write five story ideas for even one to be picked. So we came up with probably a thousand, or well, that's exaggerating, but definitely hundreds of episode ideas to get the few that actually came through and became episodes. You know. Yeah, he it was he, a process. He has a really, you know, hot internally his high level of quality at every level. Like at every level. Like I remember Corey Toomey does did the props on the show. He would design every toolbox, every lamp, you know. And uh, I remember him redrawing a shovel like six or seven times. And it would just get sent back. No, the shovel is no good. And he was like it's a shovel. Yeah. How do you draw a shovel any better than the last shovel I drew? You know? I mean, you draw it two more times, I guess. You get, yeah, you get in a huge fights all the time, you know? Well, not all the time. I mean, at the end of the day, you couldn't fight. I mean, he would always win. But if you ever try to push your idea, you would just get crushed like a bug. <laughs> you Is there anything crushed. that you guys want to say during this Christmas episode we just watched that just didn't make it that you can remember or... Well, well, a lot of it just was in the script. Like I said, you know, like the, the scene with, with the Double D showing up at Ed's house and, and, and Ed has gravy cakes. And, and in the script, Ed, Double D has to try one and it's just, it, he just wants to throw up. It's gross. Um, or, or like the scene with Eddie showing up at Naz's house in the script, he doesn't even make it in the door. He's just, he's so, you know, dumbstruck by Naz's hotness that he just, he's just <laughs> an idiot. And it's just, standing there literally drooling on himself because he can't he's an idiot right and but in the movie or in the special he gets to go inside the house and there's all that business so you know it's it, it again the the process from the the writers the writing standpoint what was what was delivered as a final writing document would change sometimes even drastically throughout the process of the drawing of it and the storyboards and everything else if that makes sense yeah 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 um, when, when you guys were doing this and you said it would change, you know, pretty frequently, especially it, it would go deep into the process of animating this stuff. Um, when that happens, does everything just pretty much halt and you guys rework the script or are they still trying to draw and just go from there? Um, no, once we're done, we're done. And that gets passed off to production that gets passed on to the artists. And we really have no say, although John, I, I worked outside the studio. I was, I was the only like I think I was the only free like regular freelance writer on the show um, right. as far as I know yeah. um, but but I know Jono would like the board guys would he would get with the board guys and they would round table a gag or try to pump something up and well every time there was a like the board guys would would finish a storyboard right mm -hmm. and then the board the, would be presented to the entire right. studio I remember that I was there for a so time. they had these giant cork boards on wheels and they would put the entire storyboard on these walls mm -hmm. <laughs> like mobile walls yeah, wasn't it a chicken claws yeah yeah it was like a chicken, chicken for a pointer and they would the the storyboard <laughs> artist would literally have to point at all the drawings with this giant chicken claw and and describe the episode as it's happening describing what they drew and basically just do a run through of the whole episode. And right. it would be under scrutiny. Everybody was in that room. Like shit, I think the janitor was even in that room throwing in it two cents. <laughs> Whereas like the whole studio yeah. watched and commented and 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 gave an opinion, which would drive me insane if I were an artist. I want to kill them. Oh yeah, it would drive the board artists crazy because they would spend <laughs> days, weeks yeah. working on these boards and then yeah. They'd present them and then people would just tear them down and go, well, this doesn't work. I don't understand what's happening here. Yeah. And they'd have to rethink 
huge swaths of the episode, right? Crazy. It was a different How much room would these boards take up? Because when I, when I think of an entire oh. episode done for boards and for storyboarding, I got to imagine there's just fucking wall to wall, like 10 by 10s, and it's just everywhere. It looks like a serial killer's house. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was a lot of paper. It's probably, what would you say, those big 14 by 11 pages, right? I and can't then it was remember. probably like 120, 130 pages that would be pinned up, and then like you had to walk through it. It was just crazy. And I, I thought, I was going to say, I thought I had a, an Ed storyboard sample. Oh, I had it somewhere. I used to bring it when my kids were little. I used to go into their school and do like a little cartoon presentation for the kids. And I would bring out Ed, Ed and Eddie storyboards and then they would pass them around the class and flip them open and look at them. And the kids would just lose their shit. They thought it was the best. And that was pretty cool. I was it every that. panel, like when you guys storyboard, is it yeah. every single panel is the scene and it's just, or is it all, so it's, no. there's no transition in between? Key poses and key things happening in every box that's drawn out, including like animation notes and where things are going and stuff and, uh, and dialogues written in there. I mean, I wish I had one for an example would be per to show you. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I don't have one either, but yeah, you, you draw out everything. But uh, don't worry about it. If you guys can find one down the road, just send it to me and I'll have my uh, Larry, my editing guy, he'll throw it up on here and then it'll okay. cover our faces so we can actually give somebody uh, a visual representation of what we're talking about instead of going, well, if you just go here to go there, you see this to see that, you know, so, but. No, everything was, was drawn out and, and the, the senior board artists got so good, like that when the, the storyboards would go to Korea to get painted on cells, yeah. the, the Korean artists would just blow up the tiny storyboard, like, cause they were, they were so precise and uh, like perfect. Yeah. Model. So on model. Yeah. They would just blow it up and paint into it. Yeah. They had some great artists. That... Yeah, the artists, the artists on Ed and Eddie are some of the best, best artists I know. They're just, they're just amazing artists. All of them. Yeah, they're, they're all doing movies now, Sausage Party, and they're all working on big. That was such a great movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of the guys that did that movie, and weirdly enough, a lot of the guys that worked on My Little Pony are ex Ed and ex Ed Ed Netty guys too. That that's insane. Like, I I love talking like this. I don't want to say nerdy in a sense that it's nerdy, but it really is. Like I like knowing like this inside shit. Cause for the longest time before I ever found my love of food, even though as a fat kid from day one, I mean, when I, when I'd go over to my granny's house, she would pour out the milk because I hated fuck. I hated dairy. And then she would fill it up with sweet. Like she would watch to make sure my mom was backing out. Cause we, she would take us over there and then granny would watch us until my mom got to work at six, seven o'clock in the night. So she knew I hated fucking milk. So she wait, she'd pour it in and then pop it in there. So I always liked food, right? So when I was coming up and I was a little kid, I wanted to be an animator. I wanted to draw. I showed just this huge knack for it, but I could never create. I could see something and instantly draw it. I could sit there and it wouldn't be the proportion, but it would be really good. And then I started seeing like videos of what animators really do. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm just going to give this up and find something else because there's no <laughs> fucking way that I, my fingers can move that quick or have that kind of dexterity. And then you really start seeing it, right? I went to, to Universal and they, they were just unloading SpongeBob for the first time back in 97, 98 or something like that. And we're seeing those, we're seeing those guys, they're down there, they're, they're on their, their architect boards or their, whatever those things are called, their, their, um, their drawing boards. I can't think of that term. Animation um, tables. What's that? It was probably just animation tables or if they're doing storyboards or whatever. Yeah. so much more eloquent than just drawing boards. It's fantastic. No wonder you're a goddamn writer, man. You're making chicken salad out of chicken shit. Um, <laughs> but I would sit there and I see these guys and then you would just, you would see them go that. So I got a little pad of paper and they would just go and then throw it behind him. I'm like, holy shit. My mom would have hung that up on the refrigerator. Why is he throwing that away? You know, you can't equate to a seven-year-old what this 30-year-old guy's doing. He's throwing their whole floor just looked like a trash can. They were just like, nah, not good enough. Let me start over. And like I said, that's when I knew I was not going to be an animator. Um, and then to find out that a lot of these guys that did this show, Ed and Eddie, in my opinion, probably the greatest show to ever really come on Cartoon Network, right? It's, it's highly debatable. And I'm super biased, 
Um, you know, but this show was so fantastic. And from the writing to the art to the voices, it seemed like everybody gave a fuck about what they were doing, right? Well, well, that and the fact that a lot of us, like, I don't know, when I came on board, I really didn't know what the hell I was doing. That was my first job. So writing, uh, I was like, hey, let's just do this. (laughs) Fun. I'm writing cartoons. Like, it doesn't get much better than this, right? So, you know, it's it's all of that and 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 also just having a joy and a passion for it, I guess, and just enjoying doing this, right? Like I still love to write. I still love creating things and it's just this is just who I am. Even when I'm a hundred years old, I'll probably be clicking away at a keyboard somewhere, just coming up with stuff just because this is what I like to do. So, you know, it's, I think we're kind of all born to that. Like, you know, you might think you're not a good animator or you would never be good in animation, but shit. I can barely change a light bulb. So everybody's got their everybody's got their own thing, right? So don't feel bad, you know. This is kind of our our thing, mine and Jono's, but everybody's good at something, right? You know. <laughs> That's why I cook for a living. I knew I wasn't my people, if you couldn't tell, I'm a redheaded dude. So my people don't do too well out in the sun, right? My people prefer rain and darkness, essentially. Um, and I knew I wasn't going to fix, I wasn't going to build a house cause I don't want, I don't want to turn into bacon. Essentially I get burnt real bad. And then it's just miserable for everybody. Cause I'm pretty sure I'm a pre prima Donna when I get burnt, it just sucks. Right. So I had to find something and food just really clicked for me. Just like writing click for you yeah. and going back to yeah. what we just watched, man, Mike, you said your favorite was Rolf yeah. uh, as far as, as far as that scene goes in this Christmas special, John, yeah. what was your favorite scene or your favorite part in this entire special? Oh, well it is the Rolf part or the uh, Jimmy part. Those two yeah. scenes. Mine too. Cause Jimmy and Rolf. Everybody got their moment mm-hmm. right in that. Because that was another thing with the story, right? Eddie goes to each character, so each character gets their little Christmas I, moment. I remember that when we were writing that, John. I remember Danny was very specific that he wanted us to show how each person celebrates Christmas differently. He really wanted to show that every family has their own tradition, which is great. I think we really got that. But go ahead. Well, it's funny too, right? Because yeah. the care, I mean, it's the great characters, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, great characters and understatement. I mean, you, you are the most humblest fucking person I have ever met in my life, Jono. I got to tell you. <laughs> okay. You're like, oh, man, it was, a, yeah, it was, it was a good show. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> it is what it is, you know. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just doing my job, right? Everybody's got something they're good at. I just write some shit down. I just make magic. That's all I'm doing. I'm just printing money, Danny, and Cartoon Network. That's what I'm doing. I'm printing money. Man, this has been... Really, really fun. Um, I know Spider-Man just got picked up for Disney Junior. Yeah, uh, can you talk about that a little bit, Mike? Uh, yeah, I'm, I, uh, I'm working on new uh, Spidey. It's called Spidey and His Amazing Friends. It's like a preschool version of Spider-Man. And it's got the Miles Morales character from the multiverse universe and Gwen Stacy character. So, um, But they're little kids. So it's like little, little versions of Spider-Man and the, the different versions of themselves as Spider-Man. And it's a lot of fun. We just got the season two pick up go today. So I don't know when season one starts airing. I can't give you a, a date. We're still, we just wrapped up the writing on that two weeks ago and they're in production on that. Um, by the way, John, all the animations being done or yeah, all the pre-production animations being done at Atomic Cartoons. Oh. I have to get on phone calls with them every couple of weeks. Atomic is a studio that John and I both worked for, for like, 20 years or a Vancouver studio very well known so mm-hmm. it's just weird how everything kind of came for full circle again so so yeah so um i don't know when it airs but it'll air soon so keep an eye out for it spidey and his amazing friends if you got little squirts uh you know anywhere between the ages of four and eight will probably like it so <laughs> what about you Jono? what are you working on i see some angry birds stuff back there What's going oh on? yes i'm currently working on angry birds that's uh going to be on netflix I believe next year. Um, news wise, I mean, I've also been working with a company in Ottawa called Jamfield. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a lot of service work, like on Final Space and things like that, and uh, Loud House. Fantastic. And uh, we're trying to come up with our own uh, original shows. Um, 
I think Danny posted that uh, Netflix is interested in Lupo. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lupo the Butcher. Um, so, you know, if the fans want to cross their fingers, maybe that will eventually get greenlit. That would be like another Antonucci cartoon. You guys going to work on it with them or? As you see, if he, see if he reaches out to us, I don't know. Hard to say, you know, because it's what a whole different beast, right? After this is done, we should send it over to him because we've name dropped him at least four times. We've played a whole bunch of free advertisement, not only for, for shit like Pepsi and whatever else these, these goddamn commercials were playing, playing through, but we just showed everybody this, this fucking film that you guys came up with. And like I said, it was fantastic, man. Um, where can people find you, Jono? I know, I know you're, uh, you're, you're out there and you're doing your thing, but if people want to know more about you, they want to hire you, where can they go to find Jono? I have no idea. <laughs> Facebook? I don't know. <laughs> LinkedIn? I don't know. I, I sort of probably stay on the sidelines too much. Hey, man, we got to get that changed. We got to get you and Mike back together, right? Batman, the dynamic duo is essentially what I'm saying, right? We got Batman and Robin. You guys can fight, wrestle, whatever you guys want to do to see who gets to play Batman and who has to wear the tiny shorts for Robin. Um, <laughs> Oh, Actually, if, if you guys want to get some shit greenlit, I'm pretty sure we could put that video, you know, whoever loses, they have to be in short shorts. We could put that shit on Kickstarter and we could get some shit really going here. I don't know about you guys and how you feel, how, how close you really you guys want to get, but there is an option. I'm pretty sure there's somebody that wants to watch it. Um, but like I said, man, Mike, I've told you a hundred thousand times how much this show meant to me. John, yeah. this is the first time we've ever met, man. It has been fun. This show was so huge, and it still is, man. We're sitting here talking about a show that you haven't seen in 15, or a special that you haven't seen in 15 years. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's not a day that goes between either one of you that you don't think about at least one character of the Ed Boys at least once a day. I got to imagine, at least I would if I knew I was like, you know, I mean, John, John over here, he's super humble, so he probably doesn't think about it, but, you know, once every no, other. I talked about Ed Boy 12 years ago. <laughs> Uh, hey, hey, it, the Eds the are up in the room here. They're everywhere. Oh, yeah. I got this right here. Right down. What do you oh, got? Get one of these? Oh, yes. That's the original uh, hand-painted cell from the show. That was actually given to me. And, John, I believe you got one too, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's from Cartoon Network. It's gave us all of those. Nice. Well, I'm hoping if anything comes from this, that we can get some more ed boys on tv whether it's in reruns i would love everything's coming back in vogue everything retro is new again man we've had shit like rocco's modern life and invader sim i gotta imagine that there's people out there like me that loved cartoon network so much more than nickelodeon right cartoon network would have had a clean sweep if they would have had hey arnold because hey arnold's the only thing that really kept me tuned in to nickelodeon but this is not a hey arnold show this is an ed boys show right right Um, but i gotta imagine that hopefully if Danny puts up that Ed boy signal, the dynamic duo is going to come back. Right. Uh, In a a second. Yeah. Yeah, Like I would love to work with the Eds again. There's still the great characters. The show is great. The cankers are great. All the other characters are great. Um, I, I still think there's a lot of stories that could have been told. I would take any spin on it actually, because it would just be fun working with these characters again. So yeah, for sure. Like I, I don't, it's a no brainer really. It'd be fun. Agree. Yep. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, it's been great, man. I don't want to keep too much more of your time. Thank you so much. You guys could have been doing anything in the world other than this, but you chose to spend maybe an hour and some change with me, and I could ever, forever be grateful as I stuck. Uh, it's fun. It's fun. We enjoyed it very much. <laughs> oh, man, nobody enjoyed it more than me because I'm telling you, man, you guys really are proof in the pudding that fucking these cartoons were so fantastic you guys got a crazy dude like me talking shit sitting here talking about cartoons that happened a long time ago and it's all because of what came from you guys's head through your hands and on a piece of paper man i can't thank you guys enough you guys if i don't talk to you again before the holidays but i'm pretty sure i will um you guys have a great and safe holidays thanksgiving hanukkah uh fuck what's the other one christmas is the big one that's one we just watched we don't just watch a christmas special i couldn't think of the word so whatever you guys celebrate, man, enjoy it. Enjoy the family time. Enjoy the downtime. I can't wait to see season one and two of Spider-Man. I can't wait to watch Angry Birds on Netflix with my kid because he kicked the living shit out of me 
on the phone with this game. So I can't wait to see what it's going to look like on the big screen. Um, and that's been it, man. I hope you guys have had just as much fun as I have. That's been Mike. That's been Jono. I've been Julian with the What's In My Head podcast. You can follow them everywhere. LinkedIn, especially for Jono, because that's where he's at. And you can find Mike over on Facebook. Thank you guys again. I hope you guys had fun, man. And I'll talk to you guys soon, okay? All right, Julian. Thank you. It was a pleasure. See you. Thanks a lot. No problem. Stay safe. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this Ed, Ed and Eddie's Jingle, Jingle, Jangle Christmas special. Like I said, this one was two years old, so I apologize for anything that might have sounded shitty. Um, like I said, this is a blast. I tried so hard to get this one out a lot earlier than I did, but unless it's going to be Christmas time, there's really no reason to release a Christmas special. If you guys are liking what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating on Apple, Spotify, don't forget to hit that follow button. We're also on YouTube, so this is going to be the only place you can really hear the Edit Any Christmas special from me. And uh, enjoy your holiday.